0: Love Talk Radio
1: Hi, welcome to Teach Me To Talk with Laura and Kate. I'm Laura Mize, Pediatric Speech-Language
2: Pathologist. And I'm Kate Hensler, Developmental Interventionist. How are you this afternoon, Laura? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. Good.
1: Did you have a nice time on your weekend outing,
2: your weekend trip out of town? We we had a very nice visit. We went and saw my husband's parents in Atlanta, and they're both doing pretty well, and it was nice to see them. So, yeah, it was good. And Indiana won. Did I mention that? I was going to say,
1: let's do our sports segment. We had lots of basketball over the weekend.
2: Oh, Indiana beat Michigan. And, of course, Bill graduated from Michigan, so needless to end. But he got a master's at IU. I'm very fond of reminding him. But, of course, his heart is with his (laughs) undergraduate school of – so he's very pro-Michigan when they play Indiana. So Indiana won. It was a great win. It was awesome. Well, I went to late through the third quarter. I think I texted you then. We were kind of texting
1: back and forth and teasing you. Mm -hmm. And I'd had enough (laughs) Hoosier hysteria for one night, and I went to sleep. Well, you missed it, it, man. They were good.
2: They played (laughs) really well. I don't know if
1: you realize this, but I don't get quite as excited about IU basketball as you do.
2: (laughs) Oh, but last year I listened to a lot of Kentucky stuff, didn't I? (gasps) Yeah, yeah. And we
1: are hanging in there this year. And we aren't nearly as pathetic as some people think we are, but that's all. <laughs> I could do an entire show on that. And John remembered today that we actually have uh, NCAA tickets that we forgot about, that when they're um, in Indy, whatever, you know, and who knows what teams are going to be there. But we had forgotten that we bought those last year. Oh, so we're excited. I hope. I hope we end up watching some great teams, even if it's
2: not our own. We'll just have to see. So Kentucky, will, if Kentucky makes it, they'll go to Indy.
1: We don't know. You don't ever know that. That's always a
2: secret until that NCAA selection oh. team.
1: But I'm sure now we have some moms and some therapists who are thinking, why are they talking so much about <laughs> basketball? That's we, we live, live in Kentucky. About. That's what
0: we do. And <laughs> in Indiana. Do want,
1: yeah, you're exactly right. All these basketball crazy states. I do want to mention that um, I published a new therapy guide over the weekend. It's called the Winter Therapy Guide, and it has ideas. I mentioned it on last week's show, but there are cute ideas for using winter and Valentine's Day activities, and I love it. It turned out so great. If you haven't had a chance to get that yet, take a look at that because it is uh, available now, and you can get more information about that on teachmetotalk.com, and myei2.com is supposed to be up by this Friday. We'll see. I'm not holding my breath, but I, I think it should be up and running. So we'll have that new site ready to go, uh, and I'm really excited about that. I did want to mention that I do have one more uh, structured teaching video with Valentine's Day and winter time related things, and if you bought 12 tasks for Christmas, it's a lot like that, except it's been updated and I have some newer idea so that should be out in the next day or two that's almost ready to go so wanted to mention that as well but these therapy guides have been a lot of fun and again I'm getting tons of great feedback from people who are watching them some people haven't understood that they're different from therapy tip of the week there were some questions about that and so therapy tip of the week is still going strong I don't do those every week anymore every couple of weeks I'll put one on there and those are still and will always be free they're just shorter and the therapy guides are longer. They're more like a mini continuing education event. And they're pretty instructive. And you get a uh, booklet, a downloadable booklet that goes with it. So it's um, more like more like a DVD, I guess. But it's downloadable, so you don't have to wait on that in the mail. So I wanted to reiterate that for people who are confused. I know the titles are kind of close you know, therapy tip of the week versus therapy guide. But when you're a therapist, you kind of name everything to say what it is. So that's why it's there, but I've really enjoyed doing those. And,
2: And Laura, I um, said just before the show, before we were being recorded, I just watched the latest um, therapy guide, winter, what are you calling it, winter therapy guide? It's kind of winter winter Valentine's Day. And so many cute ideas and I was thinking, Oh, this would work for that kid. Oh, this would work for that kid. Um, just really cute, fun. And I, I they're they're like therapy tip of the week, but they're much more in depth. Right. Much more in depth, yes. Right. A kicked
1: up version,
0: yeah.
1: hmm Uh so I wanted to mention that and I'll be mentioning that every time there's a new one released. And I think I've talked about And I'm to excited you about your twelfth thing. Yeah, I, I don't know if you wanted me to mention that that upcoming. We're going to do one together in the next couple of weeks about introducing pretend play. So I'm going to guilt you into it from talking about it on the show.
2: That's your thing, That's not mine. Thing. I didn't say it. You said it.
0: <laughs> well,
2: now it's out there. You have to do it.
0: Okay. So anyway, all right. Good
1: idea. We're going to move on. And I'm I'm glad you said you're excited about the other one, the structured teaching one. I always like doing those, and I do think that the uh, lots of therapists don't know how to use those activities. And again, those those structured teaching tasks may not be for every kid on your caseload, but boy, when you need them, it's good to have them and to have a big arsenal of ideas for what to do with with those kinds of kids. Because so many kids need those kinds of
2: you know what activities I had to really happen. Build Laura what. Recently, with the little guy, that I used some of your Christmassy twelve-step things. Um, Uh Don't call it twelve-step. Okay, I know I'm not supposed to say that. What do you call it? I call them tasks. Twelve-step sounds like you know AA or something. I know. It's a positive thing, (laughs) one way or another. No. So this is the first time that this dad has ever gotten involved in really playing with the child because. Mm-hmm. The, you know, he liked them, and mm-hmm. it, it it made him more comfortable because he's a difficult kid to play with. You know what I mean? Right. And so when she, when we introduced these and he liked them, the mom was able to say, okay, now you sit and do these, you know, and she coached him through it, and he's, he was right. doing them. And I thought, wow, that's really, you know, pretty remarkable. Amazing. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway... That's how they worked, and I'm anxious to get the Valentine winter ones going because Christmas is over. I'm ready to do some new different ones with them, so.
1: Yeah, there's some different ones. There's some that are like the variation, kind of just a variation on Mm -hmm. the Christmas ones, but that's Mm -hmm. good because I want people to understand, okay, you can take this basic premise, and this is how you modify it for any time of the year, so. I think it's good. And i want to go back and mention one more thing about the winter therapy guide that's already out there. That therapy guide is full of ideas for groups. And I think sometimes it's so hard to plan for a group of children, especially when the children may have goals that are a little bit different. So I wanted to mention that. And especially if you speech psychologists and developmental interventionists, early instructors are listening and thinking, I'm so sick of doing the same stuff with these kids. Uh-huh. Um, that therapy guide has some really cute, even like little circle time activities that you can do. So I forgot to mention that when we were talking about it. All right, that's, that's done. We're moving on. Today we have a guest who's a mom. And Linnea, we're just going to let you introduce yourself. And if you were planning on using a different name, sorry, I already said your real name. No, that's okay. <laughs> so, right, um, yes, uh, yeah, my I'm name sorry.
0: is Linnea. I have, um, uh-huh.
3: I have a son who just turned 30 months. Um mm-hmm. he um he's probably at a 45 to 50 word vocabulary right now. Um and I guess me let me go back and kind of get some background on him. He um he was born about 3 weeks early with an induction just cuz I had a little bit of mild preeclampsia. Um otherwise normal delivery. He did great afterwards, great F Um but he did have some initial problems latching on, and it was probably about a month before we really got breastfeeding down. And I had to pump um, just to maintain my supply until we really got that latch working. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And then he was a smiley baby. Um, I mean, he was. He had great eye, eye contact. He was smiley. He babbled. Um, but he probably only had about a word or two that he used infrequently at when he was 12 months. And I did mm-hmm. bring that up with this pediatrician at the at that time, and she just said, you know, just read to him more, just talk to him, he'll be fine, he'll catch up, you know, just keep working with him. Right. And then so probably about 15 months is when I did purchase your Teach Me to Talk video, and we worked on more, and he got that signed down, and he would occasionally, you know, sign for food, but pretty much just more, and he would, he would just use um, his couple words like mama and... Food or numb, as you would say. Uh-huh. Um and
0: Are
3: you then sure
2: it, he doesn't say "num num." num. Numb? <laughs> what, which one? Num num num. I always do it like Cookie Monster. A lot of my kids do it just like that.
3: Well, and I know my husband would get really frustrated because he was he wouldn't say food. He would just say numb. But I don't. I think it's an <laughs> f, a harder sound for them to make.
1: Exactly, and that really is not a word that a lot of babies use. So you were right, just to go with numb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So fast forward to 18 months, um
3: he was still probably um maybe a couple words here and there. Um we would he would we would hear a new word like kitty or dog and then he would maybe go a couple weeks before he'd say it again. Um and we knew he understood a lot more than he was saying, but I I knew he should have been saying more at that point. So that's when I had him evaluated by early intervention. And the therapist would come out twice a month and we we did see a fair amount of progress with that. Um, he would he really liked ball, he liked any activity where he was moving and something exciting would happen afterwards. Um Bye.
1: Mm-hmm. Keep going, you're doing great.
3: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um right about the time he turned two, um, we were in the process of moving across country and I was very pregnant and so I I spoke to our she wasn't I'm not sure what her job description was, but she was the therapist who had come out and work with us. And I was like, well, do you think he really needs more therapy, or what should we be doing with him? And she's like, yeah, I mean, here's some information, you know, to help you when you get to your new state. But he's doing good. And so I was like, I just decided to take kind of a wait-and-see approach. Right. And I don't know, I I might have dropped the ball there a little bit, but... We had a lot of stuff going
1: on. I was going to say, you did sound like you had a full plate, though, because you're very pregnant and were very pregnant. Have you since had another baby? Mm -hmm, I have. My daughter is four months. Yay. Well, see, you've had a lot of life changes, a move and a new baby. That's Mm -hmm. a lot. So cut yourself some slack. Give yourself a break. Don't worry about that. So, um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I thought when
3: the time he was two, he had about – um, I would estimate about 10 words. I wasn't keeping really great track about it, but it, we, were, we would be flabbergasted just because out of the blue he would say something like "I'm all done" or "Where'd the light go?" And when he would just, huh. you know, basically say "go" on a daily basis, or like "Where are these? Where are all these words coming from?" And then it right. would be a long time before, or if ever, if we'd hear those phrases again. Um, right. But so now Sean again is 30 months. He's very active. He's pretty social. I mean, he's he's a guy. He likes likes his cars. Um, right. <laughs> he um
1: he's more
0: interested. Does he in follow his
1: directions skills? pretty well? When I I mean, can you say to him, "Go get go get your car," and he'll bring it back to you, or "Go to your room and get something," and he'll bring it back? I think he's follow
3: motivated it. to do it. I mean, he's he's also at that um you know stubborn toddler stage where you know I'm going to do my own thing, but. If I'm very clear and very insistent, like you know, this is what mommy wants. You need to do this now, and he'll usually he'll usually respond and go do what I tell him to do.
1: So, do you ever worry about his receptive language? I mean, do you ever think, gosh, that could be a piece of this or no? Sometimes
3: I do, but I'm not sure. If it's just because he's distractible, or he's being stubborn, or um, nice. or if he just doesn't understand. I mean, because he does have a very short attention attention span at the moment.
1: So he's pretty busy.
3: He is busy. kind of high
1: energy. Okay. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: A lot of times busy kids, it's not that they don't understand. Well, let me just say, there could be one of two things going on, or really one of several things. But one scenario is they do understand a lot more than they kind of let on, but they're just so busy and so focused on other things that, your language just goes over their head. And so when you get their attention and when you're right in their faces and they think there's a small chance that they might get in trouble, they listen a little bit better and, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, seem to be more compliant with those things. And so busy kids can look like that where their receptive language is fine, they just don't settle down enough for you to get them to do things consistently. There's another group of kids that are still that busy and that energetic but they've missed a lot of language because they haven't been um, as focused or as uh, on as they need to be when you're talking to them. They're thinking about other things. They're looking for their next you know set of stairs to climb or you know what you know their next point for them to run to. and so they're so busy so that a lot of language goes over their little heads, and they really haven't made the connection that we need them to make. And so sometimes those kids, uh, parents and even therapists, will miss pretty significant or even uh, it it doesn't even have to be significant. Sometimes we'll miss those receptive language delays, whether it's a milder delay or could be more of an issue than a mom or a therapist would think about unless you really start to do some down-and-dirty analyzing of what the child can and cannot do. And I think it is really, really easy to dismiss a lot of, well, he's not doing it for me because he's he's two and he's a boy and he's stubborn, all those things. And all those things really are true for lots of our kids, but we have to make sure that we are really paying attention to that receptive language piece so that we're not missing anything. Because if they aren't, if part of their expressive language delay is due to a receptive language problem and we don't address it as a receptive language, meaning that we are going to do everything in our power to make them make those connections and make them understand. And so, so many times we don't treat that receptive language problem and then expressive doesn't get better. But when we back up and think, well, no wonder he's not saying more because he doesn't understand enough to be talking better yet. And so then when we really focus on receptive language with those kinds of kids, they just take off and start to say all kinds of things because they finally really understand it. Now, I don't know what's going on with your little guy at all. Mm -hmm. I don't have that (laughs) because I can't see him. You know, I don't have that. Window into your home, and I can't mm-hmm. really tell you for sure that that's part of it. I just want you to rule it out, and so a lot of times I'll ask a mom do you ever do you have concerns about receptive language, and they'll say, No, absolutely not, no concerns at all, or they'll be like you and I'm like, i' I don't sometimes I wonder about that, but I really think it's okay. So for moms in your situation, I would just really, really encourage you to tease that out. Now, you said you're going to follow up with therapy now, right, in your new state? Mm
3: -hmm. I actually have an appointment tomorrow to hopefully get a referral for more therapy.
1: Yeah, and that's one thing I would do when you get to speech referral. I would say to your speech pathologist, look, I want to make sure that there's not a receptive language component going on here. You know, he he does follow some commands at home when I can get his attention and when he can settle down. But I really wanted to make sure that there aren't any lingering issues here because if there are, I know that we can address it, and this will really jumpstart his progress. And so I think if you put it out there for a therapist like that, she's going to, or maybe, uh, would take it very seriously and really pay attention to that part in your assessment And even maybe do some different things with testing so that Uh you can rule out whether or not that's a component. And I think that is so easily overlooked. And receptive language is kind of my soapbox issue. And it could be that that's part of what's going on with him, or they may say to you, nope, you're right, he's just busy. (laughs) Uh That's not it. He understands fine. So you'll be able to really, um, I just want to encourage you to help tease that out. A lot of what you're saying about him, though, sounds to me like motor planning Mm -hmm. is a big part of his stuff because you're hearing so many pop-out words and phrases. Because he'll say it one time or a couple times and you don't hear it again for a long time. And that's something that we often hear in the histories of children who have motor planning issues or apraxia. And Mm -hmm. he's probably not real severe, Because he's already made some progress, and when we were talking back and forth, um, I think Facebook is how we started Mm -hmm. connecting. Yeah, and when we were first talking about that, I I really, you know, remember saying, "You've done a good job with getting with him having you know two words at eighteen months, and then ten words at twenty-four months, and now you're up to forty to fifty words." Don't discount your progress. With what you've done, and for some of these little guys, especially these uh, toddlers with motor planning issues, it just takes a while to kind of get things going. So I wouldn't be terribly disappointed in that amount of progress, especially since you've had a move in there and a new baby and haven't gotten therapy going again. So, Mm -hmm. um, again, I don't want you to be completely dismayed, because it wasn't your original question, how many words should he have at 30 months? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think maybe. Yeah. And I was saying back to you, well children at thirty months that they have typically developing skills use hundreds of words. But I always hate when I say that to a mom who's done so much right because I don't want you to feel like, oh man or you know, disappointed in you or disappointed in him. Because yeah. that is so what what originally powerful. caught my
3: attention was um I have a weekly play date with a friend and her daughter's a couple a couple months younger than Sean and I know girls tend to develop a little bit faster, but she was saying, like, you know, I don't know, four or five word phrases, and I was like, okay, and (laughs) maybe I need to look at this again a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I do think that I would look at it if I were you, and I'm so glad that you've gotten the appointment to get a referral. Now, are you in a state that you have to have your pediatrician sign off on that referral before you get early intervention? Well, I, I believe so. I'm not...
3: I'd like to maybe go do um, maybe private speech therapy if if I can manage that, just because I feel like they'd give us a little more attention. I think, like, early intervention can be a little overburdened.
1: Well, and you're exactly right. It really depends on what state you're in as to how often he gets therapy. I mean, some states really do weekly visits, which is what I would have Um, wanted for him. For highly committed moms, sometimes we do cut back and only see a kid a couple times a month, or especially in my practice now, I have some families that I see less often than that, but moms, they're paying privately, so moms are doing everything they can at home in between um, and aren't necessarily getting weekly services. So, So weekly services aren't completely required but it is kind of the standard. So if you can work out private therapy so that you can get uh especially a bumped up frequency now so that you can you know get that therapy piece going again. That that's what I would try to do if I were you. The other thing is early intervention ends at thirty six months. So you would only have, you know, a couple of months to get services going and then only have, you know, three four or five months left in the program anyway.
0: Mm-hmm, that's so what I, I was
1: yeah, so I think it's a good idea to pursue private. And even if you went ahead and did er- the early intervention program, maybe um, if if you can swing it, do both, especially just to kind of get him going. And then you'll have your private person ready when early intervention leaves off, especially if he doesn't qualify for school-based services mm-hmm. um, on his on his birthday. Because most states, if you still need speech or any kind of therapy, when the children are aging out or turning three, you'll get evaluated by the public school program and then qualify for therapy that way or even preschool. So that might be another option for you too.
3: Mhm. So, um, but if it's true that it is something with motor planning and apraxia, um, when it basically the more therapy the better—is that kind of how it goes? Exactly.
1: Or? Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, more more really means from therapist, but it really means from mom at home, working on the right stuff. And, again, I don't know that that's what's going on with him. And, again, it's kind of controversial for some therapists to even use the term like motor planning or a practice with a kid that's under three. But as Kate and I say on the show all the time, if the signs are there, we don't mm-hmm. want to ignore that that could be part of the problem. And there's really no downside to treating it like it's a motor planning issue Um because he'll have a better outcome anyway. So I think you've done great things by getting, you know, you started with signs and he's moved to words. And what I would want you to do now is really bump him up so that you're working on phrases from his core set of words. So you'll take your 40 or 50 words that he already has and start to combine them. And you said sometimes you're hearing things like, hi, mama, right?
3: Yeah, he'll say, hi, mama, I go, I up, or let's go.
0: Good.
1: So you want to keep that piece going because the more practice he gets the sequencing, it's going to be easier for him to put longer phrases together. And also, one thing you mentioned in your question to me was that he wasn't using more complex words like banana. And so the more you can get him to imitate and repeat and put together those little phrases, the better those more complex words will be because he'll just he'll he'll just, you know, get better at it. Those little brain connections will become stronger and it it'll get easier and easier for him. So that's certainly something I would do is just keep pulling little phrase patterns from his core set of vocabulary. The other thing that I would do for banana and words that are more complex like that, and I think we sort of talked about this on last week's show because I had your question ahead of time. Didn't we sort of talk about this stuff last week, Kate, a
2: little bit? I don't remember that we did, but that doesn't mean we didn't. I
3: think you brought it up um, talking about banana and long or multi-syllable
2: words. Yeah, yeah,
1: you're right. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And so, yeah, because I'm feeling like I'm repeating myself, but we'll say it again anyway. <laughs> but this is it's specific okay to her to child. Mod- <laughs> yeah, it is. It's okay to really modify those words too to get those newer words going. So, like for banana, Linnea, will he try to say nana? If you just model that, will he imitate you?
3: Yeah, I've I've tried to start um, breaking it down more, and he'll say he'll really get excited about na, and then I'll can you say nana? And maybe maybe sometimes he'll try nana. I haven't heard banana yet,
1: yet. Yeah, and I wouldn't freak out about that or anything or get overly upset about that because he's still two and because he's a late talker, and so you know that he's had more difficulty combining things or putting things together. So when it makes sense, try to make it a little more simple with a word like that and then hang in there for his um, sequencing to get better and then those, multisyllabic words will sound better. It's really common though for children to say nana instead of banana or or not to have a you know, those those more difficult uh three syllable words. And actually if you can get um phrases going a little more where he's doing three and four syllables within a phrase, sometimes those words will go ahead and come in just because he's gotten the whole you know, he can just do he can sequence more syllables together so um, that that's going to get a little easier for him anyway so try things like we talked about last week I think with bye bye dada or night night mama where he's putting four simple syllables in there you know night night mama would be four syllables and so mm-hmm. he gets that sequencing practice even with those simpler words does that make sense to you yes hmm you know, or you could do bye bye choo choo, or any kind of. Does he have a lot of two syllable words now, like cookie or doggy or cracker? Or I mean, you're um, thinking about I would about say that most words. of them
3: are single single syllables. Um, but yeah, choo mm-hmm. choo is one of them. Baby, he um, he likes one two three. So that's good. A,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or Elmo, he likes track Elmo. Track
3: that's another like that. multi-syllable one.
1: And how does he? How does he say Elmo? Does he say M-O or does he, I mean, is it M-O-M-O or does he say it? He could say it on there,
3: Elmo.
1: Okay, good. Good. Um, So I would look at those kinds of words that he already uses, pair them with other words. So he's doing bye-bye Elmo because that's really going to help his sequencing piece. And, again, when that part gets better, you'll see longer words start to come in. Okay. And longer phrases that you have difficulty
3: um, worked on. One other question: um, Some when we had early intervention out, they had asked me some questions about um, basically his eating and his mouth, and if he's still kind of you know chewed on a couple of things. I and mean, he still does that a little bit. I know he still tends to kind of overstuff his mouth um, somewhat. And in doing some of the exercises that they gave me, I noticed that he he can lick the top of his mouth, but he can't really lick the sides. Um, he'll get he'll get pretty frustrated and mad at me, and then he'll just shove it um, in with his hands. Is that part of apraxia, or is that something different?
1: You know, a lot of apraxic kids do that because sensory-wise, he's a sensory seeker, and we mm-hmm. know that because okay. you said that he's busy and he's you know, on-the-go and energy-filled. So a lot of times kids will overstuff their mouths because they just don't have a good indication of how much can go in there and they're not really feeling all of that food there. It is developmentally appropriate for kids to kind of overstuff at that 24-month developmental level because cognitively they're working on size concepts. So, so you may have a little bit of everything going on there. He's kind of working mm-hmm. on size. He's got some sensory issues. Did he have OT when he was um, in your previous state? No. Um, I mean, the stuffing wasn't horrible. I mean, he
3: could. I don't know. He could. He wouldn't choke on it, but I mean, it was. He'd, he'd have some puffy cheeks, but
1: yeah, no right.
3: he was from early intervention.
1: So. Okay. That may be something that you want to talk to your speech person about and say, you know, I've noticed this. He doesn't choke or anything. So I don't think it's a feeding problem per se. I really think this is sensory based. What kinds of ideas do you think um, that we can do? And, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of just his newborn history, he had some difficulty with that tongue movement and with coordination. And we'll see that a lot in histories of kids who have motor planning issues and histories of kids who have muscle tone differences. Has anybody ever talked to you about he has, you know, a little low muscle tone or high muscle tone, or is he okay with his gross motor milestones? I mean, you said now he's running and stuff. Yeah,
3: his gross milestones are great. Um, He definitely runs all over the place. Um, He gets a
2: lot of practice at those, huh? Yeah.
0: (laughs) We you know, know the but time. A, so mom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, and we do see that in children's history. Um, you know, for kids who have motor planning issues, it is not unheard of for them to have some sensory issues kind of, you know, on top of whatever else is going on with them um, speech-wise, too.
2: Yeah, I'd say so, it's fairly common, really, that a, yeah. a fairly high percentage of kids who have motor planning Speech problems also have a few sensory things to go along with. I wonder, does he like, and this may be totally wrong, but I just, since we actually have a caller and I can ask you, does <laughs> yep. he like spicy or real flavorful things? He does. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's Um, really
1: craving that extra input in his mouth.
2: And, again, that's
1: the whole theory behind why kids are runners and why they're so busy. Because for their little systems to really feel something, they can't just sit in one place. I mean, they have to be go, 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 go to get the same kind of saturation point or the same kind of feedback to their little bodies and their little brains that a less busy kid would get with less activity. Have you read about sensory issues before, Linnea? Is this yeah, new he, to you? He does kind okay. of fit the the hypo
3: sensitive kids.
1: So yeah, yeah. And so what I would do then for that is just keep giving him those spicy foods and giving, letting him have all that little input that he needs. You might bring out more uh, teething toys or do um, you know frequent snacks or you know, really drink from a sports bottle that has a straw, anything where he can get lots of feedback to his little mouth so that Mm -hmm. you, you know, fruit snacks or dried fruit or anything where he has to really chew um, so that he meets those needs and, again, gets that feedback that he's craving. I mean, that may be something that helps, too. And I really do want you to mention that to your speech pathologist, so she can look at him and make some recommendations. And she thinks OT would be beneficial. You know, that might be something that you would want to add or look at or figure out how to how to get at least a consult and some um, additional suggestions for him to address those
0: mm-hmm. those
1: sensory issues and make sure that it's not really affecting. Um, his rate of progress for language. My guess would be he's not real severe because he's already learning to talk and already has some words, but at the same time, a lot. if we put services like that in place for kids, you will see a pretty big jump in progress because they're, you know, it's everything will come together for them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, you're meeting all those needs. Sure. But I would say you and your... Working those working those movement things in, and you said that you've done a lot of that with him mm-hmm. to, to get him to talk. Where you're running, or you know, where he's yeah, got be. Yeah, He likes, all, he likes all
2: the fun words like go and up and down and exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so keep that up. That's hard sometimes, but you know, you <laughs> have to be that creative, that creative with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know that that's how he learns and what he needs, so that you'll you'll want to keep. Um, adding that movement component and really teaching language of that, too, because that's a way to hook his attention and get him to want to add new words to his vocabulary. So that's certainly something I would do as well.
0: So do you have any suggestions
3: on how to add, I guess, more nouns in his vocabulary? Because he's good on the verbs, or at least I understand more how to do the verbs, you know, incorporate them in the game. So I'm not really sure how to do more nouns.
1: You know, really the best thing is just holding the object that he wants and having him request it. I mean, that is the the best tried and true uh, way to teach a noun is have it as a request. So mm-hmm. instead of him using a generic word like more or please, start really labeling what it is that he's asking for. And it's so funny, a lot of moms have the opposite problem. They only know how to teach nouns. They don't really know right. how to <laughs> But I would just really start labeling and having him request. So instead of instead of it being okay if he wants a particular toy, don't have him say more. Please have him try to say the toy name.
3: Mm-hmm. And if he starts getting really frustrated, or you know, he's I don't know, basically just kind of pointing, grunting, and getting frustrated. Like I don't know, he might be having a hard time saying it. Should I just really try and? Make it very as simple as possible, whatever the yeah. word
1: is. Yeah, and model. Yeah, and just model, model, model with that. And you don't want to simplify it so much though, so, so that he's stuck just with this core little vocabulary. But you know, if he's, you'll just have to modify as you go. If it, um, you know, if he wants a semi truck or a dump truck, you could just have him say truck, you know, instead of or you know or whatever he's going to try to say uck, whatever the word would be. You can modify it that way. Nancy Kaufman is an apraxia expert who's spent her whole career teaching us as speech pathologists that it's okay if we teach sound and word modifications for children because normal kids do that anyway, where they leave off sounds and somehow we figure out what they want, especially, you know, those harder consonants. And so if that works for him, if he'll try to say a simpler version of a word, you know, just go for it. And that's certainly something that you'll want to talk to a speech pathologist about, too. And uh, Nancy Kaufman is the person that you'll want to say to use the Kaufman approach and and um, see if that would be a successful strategy for him. For some kids, it's highly successful, and especially the kids who are the most apraxic. My guess would be. He does probably have the most playing things, but he's not um, – he wouldn't be classified as, you know, ultra ER, or, or anything like that because he's making some progress and moving along.
2: Does Thank he – do still use it, any uh, signs with him, I wonder?
3: Um, please. He still use, uses please. It's – I don't I think – I don't know. I think, I don't know. He, he'll say pla or ease, but – yeah, I think please is still easier for him, and I I kind of get the feeling he doesn't like saying it wrong wrongly if that's if that's possible. Yeah. But yeah. Uh-huh.
1: yeah, yeah, and it does sound like that he does sort of want to default to an overlearned easier word.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, is
1: that the case? And so I, I really would push yeah. him. I really would push him to use a, a, a you know a different word. And if he's having a terrible day and is really, really frustrated, you know, don't let him, you know, of course you're never going to cue a word 35 times, you know, before you give him something. You'll use that three- to five-word model. I think you said that you had uh, Teach Me to Talk to DVD. And there's some rules in that withholding section where you would just model that newer word three to five times, and then if he says it in that time or tries to say it in that time, great, he gets the item, and if he doesn't say it in that time or try, he still gets the item, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so that it's still win-win and that he still feels like, okay, I'm going to get it, so I need to just go ahead and try, you know, so you're just going to want to keep presenting new words like that with that three to five time modeling rule, and again, that's you know counting how many times you try to get him to say it um and just keep pushing for new words that way
0: mhm does, so does he tend to be very,
1: frustrated
2: oh, i am sorry go ahead okay. oh, i was just asking does he tend to be very imitative verbally i mean it sounds like um
3: not up until recently um before it would we would really have to work to get anything out of him Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it is getting better. I'm noticing he's here. He's listening to us more and is, you know, trying to imitate more. So that's that's encouraging. But
1: mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah, and I would. Out. It. I was going to say I would do everything I can to encourage that too. And just listen to the words that you're modeling with him, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really stick to his defaults. I wouldn't really stick to please or more or things that he says all the time try to really push for those newer words and still keep it fun and keep it upbeat, but still want to push for those newer words. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he doesn't really have a reason to add. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's no incentive, you know? And so your, especially your words for things that he wants. Like I, I think that you asked about like teaching the word in hmm What does he say when he wants a drink? What does he do now?
3: Well, if I'm, if basically his default is just kind of like, he will just kind of point and grunt, and I'm like, okay, tell me what you want, and I'll point, like, I'll point to different things around the room, and he'll just, you know, continue to kind of point and grunt. Um, and then I'll say, do you want, do you want Cheerios? I, I've shortened it to O's, and he'll say that. Yeah. Um, and then for milk, it kind of, well, it comes out as kind of meh, or meh, I don't know. And that's
1: okay. And that's okay. I mean articulation, lots and lots and lots of late suckers have issues with their getting the right sounds in the right places for a long time and I I do not think you should be over concerned about that at this point. You just really want to get his language caught up. You know what I would start really doing is when you know that he wants milk, I would just give really strong cues by saying, Tell mommy milk. Say milk. You say it. Tell me milk so mm-hmm. that he gets that firm model for what he should say and so that he's hearing that word a lot. Um okay. and not just and not just saying, Tell me what you want you know, I would really do the whole direct cue. Tell mommy, you know, whatever it is that he wants. And again, that auditory bombardment piece or that saying it, the word that he's supposed to say over and over and over, that really helps kids become stronger imitators because you're you're giving them a more direct model of what to imitate and some parents and some therapists think oh i'm just going to make him a little parrot here he's just going to imitate or echo kids like this really need a ton of imitation practice and so start really upping the amount of cueing that you're giving him to and even if you have to get in his little face so that he's paying attention when you're doing it and again it may not be completely um, 100% pleasant, but do everything you can to make it fun. I mean, some kids kind of balk at that increased pressure, but my sense is if you can keep it pretty fun but still increase the increase your expectations a little bit, that you'll start to hear more. Is that the sense that you're getting too, Kate?
2: Yeah, it sounds like he's just getting there now, so he's he's kind of telling you he's okay, he can play the game now. Um, but, you know, I think Laura's right. Don't let him necessarily get away with the handful of things he's been using. You were thrilled to get those, but now it's time to up, I call it upping the ante a bit. (laughs) So, um, and she's right, lots and lots of modeling. So he hears it, he hears it, he hears it, he hears it, and then you say, you say it, and Mm see if you can't get it. I also like, I would still encourage him to use some signs there because at least if you're getting nothing, you might get a sign, and I think that that motor planning piece, doing signs kind of helps the motor planning part of speech somehow. So exactly, certainly, not, yeah. it's not, it's not going to hurt him to do that. Um, I think sometimes for, for kids with motor planning problems, when you give them the sign, it takes a little bit of the verbal pressure off, and sometimes mm-hmm. they get the sign, and before long they're saying, milk, and they're signing it, and it kind of helps. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you're giving them the model, but it's not quite as – because when you – push a, a motor planning kid too hard, they can sometimes uh, stall out on you. So you, I think yeah. signs help kind of distract them somehow into mm-hmm. doing it and then voila, saying it. So just a thought, you might want to keep some of those up, especially with those words that you've tried and he just hasn't gotten yet. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. But, but and Mil- would be he's, one Mil- he's got it. I mean, I would think of that yeah. as check that off your list.
1: Okay. I would think so too. Even if it's not completely clear, you know what he means and so I would count those approximations as his best effort right now. It may mm-hmm. be a while before you hear final consonants consistently and that's okay. It's not even really considered an error, a speech sound error in a kid until there's three. So, you know, it may be a while before you really hear a lot of ending consonants. So don't don't well, he, let he, that likes, be he likes
0: tea.
3: I've noticed he likes to um actually add it on to some words. Cause his favorite word is probably go. And then every once in a while he will say goat. But
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: <laughs> I wonder what that's about. Does he have another word for tea? Like if he doing like for night night, is he putting a tea on the end of that?
3: I don't know. He he, liked, One of his best words is probably kitty, so he has a lot of practice. Um, with
1: me, but. Okay. yeah. Well, it sounds like he's got some interesting phonological development going on there too, Linnea. So uh, <laughs> that wouldn't be a real common thing to stick a C on the end of a word like go, unless he's trying to add some final consonants and doesn't really know where they go yet. So he's just generalizing a little bit and kind of sticking it in there. Again, boy, I wish this were a case where I could look into the phone and see him and watch him play so that I could say "This is going on or not going on or whatever and so again, these are just our best guesses with, no with you know based on based on what you're saying so this is what I think let's kind of summarize what I think you should work on. Mm-hmm. That's some nouns, especially those really functional, practical words that he needs every day at home. So you're not going to take a generic word for those anymore. You're going to want to bump them up a little bit and have him try to say the word. You're going to model that word three to five times so that he's really hearing it, and so that you're having him at least try to say it. If he's having a horrible day, you can go back to his default words like more and please or whatever, but try to really increase the vocabulary with some more direct cueing and some models. If it's a really complicated word, like instead of helicopter, you would say plane. You know, mm-hmm. instead of, you know, spaghetti sauce, you know, calling noodles or sketty or you know, whatever you want to do. Any kind of little simplification that you've heard other Kids do, that lets you know right away that that's fine because children will do that on their own. Um, You're going to do that. You're also going to bump up the phrases that you model for him to try to say, and especially if you can uh, pick those from his existing vocabulary so that he gets more sequencing practice. Oh, I forgot with the single words. You're going to go back and try to add signs if you think that that might make it easier for him to get a new word that he doesn't have let mm-hmm. will see his phrases, and then I really want you to follow up with uh, you're already on the right track about trying to get speech going again, and you want to mention to her the mouth stuffing, the
0: mm-hmm.
1: decreased coordination that he has going on with his mouth, and a history of that, and you want to be sure that you're adding crunchy, chewy foods in his diet and even um, drinks with straws anything that's going to give him extra input to his mouth. And you're going to mention to the speech pathologist that you want to, uh, you're going to ask her about what she thinks about OT for him mm-hmm. and make sure that you're adding that sensory component. Okay. I think that's everything we talked about. Did you have any more questions? No, thank him? you so much for
3: all your expertise and health, and I really appreciate it. So. You are so welcome. And listen, do you have my Praxia DVD? I don't. I should probably get that done. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna send that to you today and thank you for being uh as our guest. We so appreciate it. Anytime we have a real live mom caller and I want you to email me at Laura at dot com with your address so I can get that a praxy DVD email to you to thank you for being our guest today.
3: All right, thank you so much.
1: Thanks oh, for calling. Any, anything else we can do for you? Nope, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye. All right, we have another caller who's been holding this whole time.
2: Uh-oh. So, who oh, is? I bet it's
1: <laughs> Let's see. Let's see if they want to be on here. Hi there. Were you holding for us or are you just listening? Mm-hmm. Okay, I think they just may be listening. What do you think?
2: Somebody calling from work again.
1: <laughs> I know, but I think I just disconnected. Them. Sorry about that. When you go back and try to listen to the last 10 minutes of the show. And then we had another couple of people call, too, during the show. So if you were one of those people, please call us back. Um, You can try to call back right now or you can call us back next week. But let me talk right now to anybody who's thinking, I want to call that show. Kate and I, I love any time you want to call. But let me tell you, we do best when it's planned. And I have a really hard time trying to shorten a mom's call who we've already planned for her to call and planned for her to be on the show and hurry her up um if we didn't know that you were going to call. So our very best responses, and, and again, you can call without a, a heads up, but we really like it when it's planned so that we know what you want to know from us and we can give more than just off-the-cuff answers, although I think our off-the-cuff answers are pretty good as well. So yeah. you can always call and email, or I mean always email first. And, again, my email address is laura at com. or you can leave me a message uh, on com Facebook. I have a Twitter account, but I just can't get into Twitter. You could, You could – Contact me on Twitter as well, but I do much better with Facebook or regular email. So hopefully, those couple of moms will give us another try and we will call us back, email us, and then call us back so that we can help
2: them too. If they have, um, you know, some parents are a little shy about thinking, oh, I wouldn't want my therapist to know I called, or, you know, I wouldn't want somebody to know that I was calling. We're always happy to change your name, change your child's name, you know, so it doesn't have your to be. Your yeah. Yeah, we love honest, direct questions, but it doesn't matter about the those details because a mom doesn't need to know if you're from Indiana or Kentucky. If it's relevant to her or a therapist, then it'll be useful. Exactly. So and I was just teasing
1: that, that mom at the beginning when I said, If you were gonna have decided to use the fake name, I already said your real name, she had already told us like two minutes before we went on, she was holding and already said, No, I'm fine to just use my real name. So that was a joke. I just don't want anyone thinking that I outed a mom's confidentiality. That was that was a little joke sometimes. <laughs> she, she had
2: just said, <laughs> Oh no, it's fine.
1: I know, but then I was thinking, what if she changed her mind between the time we said that so Anyway,
2: anyway, I think that's cool with it. anyway, you know I one thing, Laura, about her that we didn't ask? There's always something, and we had the luxury of asking, and I didn't do it. I wonder one thing I'd probably, as a, as a building strategy towards phrases, is just to see, and some kids can do this very readily at his age or his developmental level, and other kids can't, is to do words the same word in a sequence,
0: up, 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 up,
2: up, Pop, yeah. up, 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 pop, 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 pop. And
1: you didn't me, talk me, about me, that me, strategy, and I didn't, I didn't uh, talk about it, but that's a great one. I, wish that I think we did the week it. before.
2: We did last yeah. week when we got, we always have certain topics that come up no matter, um, and, and he may do those very easily, and he may not, yeah. but I do think that that's good uh, practice for a child when oh, he's I starting that. to focus on sequencing, especially those power yeah. words that he already likes. You know, he right. may be able to do them right away, which is great. But it does sound like, you know, her focusing on getting him to be a little bit more imitative verbally is going to be very helpful for him.
0: So I that's a new words. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and new words and not just hold on to because he sounds like I'm going to hang on to my little corset for dear life.
0: Mm -hmm. And, boy,
1: have I treated a lot of kids like that. And that's great. I mean, a mom will say, oh, my goodness, he can say no, he can say please. I'm going to cue that. I don't want him to get too mad. I don't want him to get too upset. Neither do I. But you've got to figure out how to be pleasantly persistent and push a little bit harder. And sometimes... That's easier for a therapist to do in sessions than it is for a mom. And and a good therapist is going to already kind of take into account, well, he should be able to say this or do this pattern based on, you know, him pronouncing or how he says another word. So I hope she gets a great psychologist and can really hit the ground running with um, a new person and really bump him along. My guess would be, too, but just with this increased focus, he'll – Pick up a little bit too, because they they have had kind of a crazy past few months with a move across country yeah. and a new baby and yeah. a new baby. A yeah.
2: But yeah. it sounds like he's at a good place for taking off. Yeah. You know, what I mean, he's yeah. he's already I would made strides. Yeah. So yeah. it sounds like I would love child. to treat him. Gets a little therapy yeah. and does a few little things differently yeah. with him. He'll be moving even faster. So
0: he'd be a fun kid to work it.
2: with.
1: I know. That's what That's what I keep thinking. Boy, I would love to have him. That would be a kind of fun. So, when they've already got that foundation going and you're there just to kind of push them. But mm-hmm. so that would be a lot of fun. All right. Any parting words in this last five minutes? We're so rarely finished
2: ahead of time. I know. I don't know that I have anything. Uh, I know, nope. see, and
1: I was hoping that our... Our moms that have held on and called would would um, call back or you know and so anyway you just never know how how that's gonna work out do you um, well I think we're just gonna call it a day unless you have anything that you want to add or talk about Kate or any any kind of little clinical insight that we haven't talked about in the last in the last couple weeks.
2: Any pressing topic? Uh, none that are pressing at this this moment. Well that's
1: all right. Then we're gonna get off five minutes early. We and again usually for you people who were supposed late. to walk Yeah, and for you people who are supposed to walk an hour, keep walking, you've got five more minutes. <laughs> all of our exercises out there. All right. We'll be back next week. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye.